0: a
1: break. Relax, grab a coffee and join the conversation with Mariska on Two Sugars. Hey, it's Wednesday. It's hut day. Great to have your company. Well, just... Pour yourself a cupper, take 25 and join the conversation with Irene and me. You are listening to Two Sugars on a 104.6 Planet FM.
2: I did to end this life, I it was alright. I can not it's meat, but I can get it all my mind. I need to get out of sight, but I end up behind. But what started out as a sample? Situation, me just thinking on the time that I'm facing Makes me want to cry Cause I didn't mean to hurt him Could have been somebody's son And I took his heart when I pulled out that gun rum pum pum didn't mean to hurt him, could have been somebody's son, and I took his heart with. I pulled out that gun, rum-pa-pa-bum, 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 land down, rum-pa-pa-bum, rum pa pa rum pa pa bum Whatever happened to me, ever happened to me, ever happened to me Why did I pull it up, pull it, jig up, pull it, jink up, pull and inlet?
1: Well, we're back again, and and I I just wanted to hear a little bit more, actually, about the tales of Irene, because when we got off the the, um, radio last week, she told me all this other exciting stuff, so we are going to continue to share some of those, um, yeah, the things that she got up to and the information she heard and shared, and yeah, so... One of the things that you were talking to me about, Irene, was um, sustainability because obviously that's a big part also now of the farms that um, that's expected of farmers as well. But also on these big stations, you know, and you see this on country calendar all the time, you know, and, and sometimes I wonder, do they just go to the farms that are doing the, doing the right things or actually – Is that whole mentality um, changing? And me coming from a farming background, I also know maybe what my family uh, is doing as well. But, yeah, what was it like there in terms of sustainability? Well, it was an absolute and utter fantastic
0: learning curve for me because the only thing I get not coming from a farm is what the media gives me. And I've been sort of thinking you know, like farmers are terrible, they're pouring all this pollution into the land, da-da-da-da-da, we've got to stop eating meat and cut out farming altogether. I mean, some of the stuff that comes over the media, it it really makes you wonder. Um, And unless you're interested and want to Google it, you're never going to find out what the true facts are and we're all getting brainwashed. So I head down into a total farming community and it was amazing how they are, No, well, actually, it's only amazing to me. It's not amazing to them, because they live on the land. Their whole thing is about Mother Nature, you know? So they're constantly looking at keeping Mother Nature happy and doing the best for Mother Nature so that she does the best for them. So it's only us stupid, you know, city people who just hear the media and don't understand that. So these farmers were just so conscious about everything that they do. And I really loved that in them, and and I loved the fact that they just did it naturally. You know, they weren't looking for another um, modern-day solution to anything. They were looking for a Mother Nature solution. And to me, the solution is always with Mother Nature if we just stop and listen, you know. But there was also an elderly chap on the walk with us. I say elderly because he was two years older than me. (laughs) and it's the first time I've been on a hike where there's been somebody who's older than me, and I loved that, and he was a lovely chap, and he's a retired and very well-travelled um, farmer, him and his wife, and he was talking one night about how um, he feels quite bad about how they farmed in the old days because whatever was on the market and being promoted as being good for growing grass or good for doing this or good for doing that, they bought and they used on their farms. And he said, now we know that some of that stuff we used was really bad and we shouldn't have done that and so on and so forth. And so he was saying that we are to blame for a lot of what's happened. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I disagree with that totally because you can only, each generation can only use the information that they've got you know, and back then they thought they were doing the right things, so us blaming them for what they did back then is not a good way to continue in our life today, we need to say, hey, look, that we've learned and we've moved on, look at all the stuff we're doing today, and I bet in 50 years' time, people are going to be saying, oh my God, we should never have done that, our kids can't see, our kids can't hear, you know, there's so... Taking the blame on on the, himself, I thought was wrong. So I had a very big discussion with him about that. <laughs> I, <can laughs> I like to, <laughs> to believe I got there in the end um, because to me, it's all about um, sustainability. Is all about accepting and learning, not about blaming. You know, um, and and I kept pointing out to him, you had glass milk bottles, not plastic. You know, you went and saw your neighbour down the road when he was sick and helped him milk his cows, um, you know. All these things that we did back in those days that don't happen today. So I said, you've got to balance everything out. So, yeah, great. And it was really great to see the young ones like Ian and his wife who were in their 30s, such a huge knowledge of sustainability, more than any of us. And he was having a wonderful talk with this old farmer. And
1: saying, "I learned from you." Yeah, and that's that's awesome. And I quite like the way you know you're saying accepting and learning. I think you, you, that's a, a great way to actually just um, describe sustainability because you're right. Every generation thinks they're doing things right. I mean, I think if, I was thinking of asbestos when you um, were talking. You know, we now know asbestos is, is not a great thing, and maybe jibboard or something in a hundred years' time may not be the right thing. Who knows? Um, it is. It's just about what is at the time and what we thought was best to to do. I suppose where a lot of the media has come from is this intense farming um, that has kind of come into New Zealand where, you know, you used to have the family farm um, and you'd make your hay and you'd make your silage and that that all came off your farm. So you're right, you had to look after Mother Nature, otherwise she wasn't going to look after you, you know, but then you started to get all this flax oil, flax milk, um, palm kernel you know stuff coming and everything and you know saying well that's good for us but what's happening in the other country and, and why do they need this extra feed you know so it is interesting how the I suppose intensity of farming shifted and maybe that's where we started or or, or we started to get worse at some of those things but you're right even the family farm you know the, what we put on the ground to try and um, help mother nature you know probably wasn't the best thing either so finding that That middle ground, but you're right. Learning from it, um, and the plantings and and things that people do, and maybe not as intense, and recognizing actually you don't have to be intense to have the same production. And I think that's a huge learning, and I'd love them to learn a little bit more about about that part of it as well.
0: I agree, I agree and, and another thing that I learned from the discussions that we had there, you can, you can see how we had the walk, the mother nature and we had this wonderful intellect that went, went on with it as well um, another thing that um, came out of the conversation not necessarily from me but I think I agreed with it when, when the guy brought it up was that most of the changes um, started coming not because of increasing productivity, intensive farming, they came through making work easier. So we had this society where hard work was no longer um, the be-all and end-all. It was like, oh, no, let's make our job easier. If I do this, it might not be the best for the land, but it's going to mean I don't have to work so hard. And and that is when things started really going bad when that started happening. And yes. that wasn't his generation.
1: That that I think is so true as well, because the today's farmer, especially dairy farmer, is not like um yesteryear's farmer. You know, they've got drones going out to go and check the cows. Um, or, or, Mind you, they probably do it with cropping as well, but the drones go and do the checking, you know, when, when it was probably us that used to. You've got cows with big collars on that read everything, little they do, their heart down to their heartbeat to how much milk and everything else. And then again, you wonder, what's happening with these collars, you know, in, in 10, 20 years' time we're going to go, oh, my God, they're magnetic and we've all this milk's now magnetic and we're all, who knows? A little bit of conspiracy <laughs> there, you know, you know. But, um, no, no,
0: no, 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 I'm the conspiracy <laughs> theorist in this party.
1: <laughs> <center>. <laughs> <laughs> but it could be interesting, you know, um, to do all of that and then thinking, well, I don't want that cow anymore because we want this cow and then putting that breeding together to, yeah, to make things a lot easier. Even all of that stuff going on, it's interesting that you mentioned glass bottles because they're coming back, and there are um, little farms around New Zealand that actually are now delivering to your door that glass bottle in the morning. And you know, coming off a farm, we used to just put the billy in the vat, you know, and and even then you'd leave the billy in the fridge overnight, and there'd be this big, you know layer of cream that had floated to the top. And I remember when I'd go to my friends in town, you know, and this bottle turned up and there'd always be this big glug of cream sitting on top of the um, bottle. But it's something that's coming back. You're right. Plastic versus glass and reusable.
0: And paper bags are back, you know, just
1: about everything I
0: got was in a paper bag. I, I I just love it. And every time somebody says, your generation killed everything, I go... My generation used all the stuff that you're now
1: bringing back in the game. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Why can't you get something original? See, we did it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And string
0: bags. Have you seen how string bags, my 18-year-old granddaughter, who was out for dinner was um, last night, was it last night? No, the night before, um, her bag was a string bag you know the old-fashioned string bags that we used to just about make ourselves but you could go and buy them in the in the shop for about five dollars her bag is a string bag and I went huh I love your bag and she's oh yeah they're so cool these bags Nan they're all the rage now I'm going, ah, ah, <laughs> what a giggle <laughs> would you like me to teach you how to make one
1: things come around in cycles i think that's why i don't throw away any clothes either because i know it'll come around again that same style one way or the other (laughs) exactly
0: we had that conversation too we're sitting in the middle of mount maunganui and we've got this um whole crowd of people it was market day and and there was this woman with this off the shoulder what we used to call a mexican top off the shoulder um pulled down and um and then it was another one was um, um, overalls, you know. And I'm going, there is nothing there that Nan didn't wear. Nothing. And my other, my, my other, they're 18-year-old twin granddaughters, you see, and they're like chalk and cheese. And the other one turns around and says, oh, my God, I was going to buy a pair of overalls, but I'm not buying any now if you used to. <laughs> I said, well, darling, just about everything you've got on I used to wear. So you, you're going to be
1: right out of luck with that one. The only problem with overalls that I had is if you were dying for a pee, you had to get those overalls down pretty quickly and there were buttons and things and it wasn't just quite as easy as like um, pulling your pants down, was it? I tell you, do you think uh, do you think shoulder pads will come back?
0: Well, they've already come back two or three times since I stopped wearing them, so you know, who's to say they can't do the cycle once again? I mean, they certainly did add to certain um, styles of woman, but on others, they were, was a total opposite. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe they will. I mean, it, it's a bit like overalls. You really have to be quite thin to be able to wear yeah, overalls successfully. And if you're not, then, um, ooh, not a good look, not a good look. So Hey, 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 we shouldn't be saying that. doesn't matter what you
1: are. You wear what you like.
0: I know you can wear what you like, but you should still try and wear to make
1: yourself look the best you can possibly be. <laughs> Actually, interesting that, you know, with our shapes and stuff and, and how they talk about, you know, different – well, you're right. Different styles do um, enhance different shapes. And I, and I think you will know yourself when you put something on that you feel really good in, it will be the right style for you. But interestingly, bags also – um, the shape of the bag goes with the shape of the body. And I, I've got a um, colleague who does cork bags. So they're made out of cork. And she was asking the other day for um, if anybody wanted to video with a bag because on the mm-hmm. website you go on and it shows you which bag for your shape of body would suit you best. So, really? the- <laughs> I haven't heard that before and I certainly
0: do not choose a bag to look like my shape body. <laughs> 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 my shape body. So I buy the bag that's going to take what I needed
1: today. make. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. See, we've learned something. So, um, And I'll put that up on the website as well, um, the cork bags. Go in and have a look. Or maybe you want to be one of those people walking around um, so that you can see what bag goes with your shape of body as well. So. Yeah, how, do, how
0: does that work? When I'm in the van, I have this tiny little bag um, that's big enough to hold my phone and my car keys, sort of thing and it slings over my neck so that I can do anything and when I'm back here in the city I have this big leather bag that you know, Mac is supposed to be stylish. I guess. In fact, I don't even like it. I don't think I'm going to use it anymore. No, nah, I've done that. that. So I have different
1: bags for different things. You know, I do too. But there's a problem with that because sometimes you forget to swap that that you needed from that bag into that bag. And I so I've done that before, and I've thought, oh no, that's in the other bag. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do too for different um, places I'm I'm going. Yep, I have different bags. So well, I'm not a bag person though. I actually, you know, I say right. that I have all these bags, but I don't actually, I'm not a bag person. I would love pockets. I would love for women's clothes to have more pockets because I've usually just got my wallet and my phone on me and that's it and that's all I need. And now your mask. Oh, yes. Well, see, that can fit in a pocket as well.
0: Yeah, I won't buy a pair of pants if they don't have a pocket on them, and I got really annoyed one day and took these pants I bought back because what I thought were pockets with zips on were false, and it didn't have pockets, and I've got to have pockets. I've got to have pockets because of my nose. (laughs) When you get older, you always end up with this little drip on the end of your nose, so I've always got to have a tissue in my pocket.
1: But even jackets and things, you're right, a lot of them have false pockets. and um, But, you know, very easily in a jacket, you don't need to have a whole lot of things in there, but I need a pocket in there. So for our seamstresses out there, pockets, please, um, make them stylish or, or hide them. I mean, you know, for men, when you think about it, they've got that inside pocket.
0: Yes, which is where they put everything in it, and it fits better in there as well, and it keeps the line of the suit looking nicer. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: And it might make our boobs look bigger we can we can put lots of stuff we see now, see there you go. Yeah. If we wanted to make our boobs look bigger, we could have those pockets right in the right place. why
0: You're do just, you want your boobs
1: to look bigger know oh, I'm just saying I'm just saying <laughs> this, this could be'm just, teasing you. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> this, this could be a thing that you could be one day um you decide you want to be a bit more voluptuous and and you could put things in your pockets <clears> hmm. <throat> And you can do that with
0: the booty. It's all about the booty these days. So you can, you can do that with the I booty. I don't
1: need to do that because I've got one of those anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't need anything in my pocket stand there. <laughs> oh, dear. So there we go. We've got to think about what we what we wear, how our bag sits on us, um, and whether we're going to have shoulder pads or string bags. or. we um,
0: no, we don't. No, we don't. You need to go away in a van for it to
1: realise how,
0: how that's just, just not important. I mean, I keep thinking of Ben and Rebecca, this couple that are running this farm down there, and that's Swanee and those gumboots. and I'm sure he had a black stubbies underneath, but I couldn't see them. Um, I bet that's what he wears every day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every day. And Rebecca had a... S- so she was no. She was a little bit more classy. She was a little bit more female. She had a little a nicer top, but you can pretty much guarantee she doesn't give a toss about
1: her handbag. No, <laughs> oh, well, you don't need that much. But interesting, those swannies that you're talking about, you can't get them anymore, and ours are just about worn out. Now we've had those probably for oh, I would say. Um, 20 years, just over 20 years, um, and they're finally starting to get holes and wear out. And I looked online the other day for them, and they don't do them anymore. Um, they must do somewhere. You would think so. Maybe down in some rural shop they still have them down in the um, – but, yeah, they don't seem to – on the old Dry website, they are not available anymore, which is – yeah. Really? Well, they must be because you 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 need to go to a rural shopping you know, one of those big um, Yeah, maybe they don't have them on the website Yeah, maybe a farming shop might have them um, or it might be another brand that does them now and that Swan Dry doesn't do it but yeah, but there you go it's lasted for years and years and years and, and we still, yeah we live in them in winter um, so yeah, I know what it's like on the farm you do, you just live in it and it's, yeah
0: I've got my swanny in my van. I didn't actually have to wear it this time, but I've had my swanny for years. And before I put it in the van, I had to put it on to make sure I could still fit it because, you know. Um, but that's how long I've had it. I was worried that it might be too small for me now. And my swanny was always big enough to, you know, wear a ton of things underneath it. And I thought, now I'll be lucky if it fits me with nothing underneath it. <laughs> but my swanny has carried whole salmon and. She is liver, and I mean, the number of things I've wrapped up in my swanee is, is, my swanee could tell a story in itself.
1: You know, I think every single swanee could. Okay. I Totally agree. Guarantee that. Um, now, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Now, there's a there's a thought. Just before we go, there's a thought. We could send you around the country in your little camper van picking up the stories of swannies. And there could be a book, the stories, the secret diary of the swanny. <laughs> I tell
0: you what, I tell you what, we're probably going to find out that um, people like Ian – don't even know what a swanny is because it's got a totally different name now. <laughs> and it has had for so long that, that, you know, we're just so far behind the times. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I looked at those old farming shops. You know, you get out into the community and there's massive farming shop in this tiny little community, and that's where all the farmers go. They do their banking there. They buy their hay there. They, you know, they do everything in this great, what's it called, Wrightson? And,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Right, um, And you never see them anywhere except in farming communities. They're never in any big towns or cities or anything. And I thought, I've got to go in one of those shops. That's what I've got to do. The next time I'm down in these places, I'm going in one of those shops to just have a look and tell you what was. And it's probably going to be a quarter of the price you know, of any city thing. And it'll be the real, like a, like a, real swanee is so pure wool that it's waterproof they don't make it waterproof it's just the wool has all its natural oils in it so it's waterproof I wonder if they've still got that
1: oh, I know, well that's the one we're looking for and I think the last time I saw something like that it was about 400 bucks but anyway, that is all we have got, the, um, got time for today so we'll see all of you guys at the same time same place next week, keep well and keep having fun
0: You've been listening to Two Sugars, brought to you by Delacro Communication, delacro.co.nz.